In this modern age, perfect. Too many people have lost sight of the true meaning of Christmas. Mom, hush! Shut up, Ralphie. So now, in the spirit of the original, I made you. Stop. Traditional American Christmas. Thanks a lot. MGM presents a Christmas story. Off Santa's beard. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, wow. And unwraps the secrets. Did they get a tie this year? Of the original, traditional. He looks like a deranged Easter bunny. 100% two fisted, red blooded. It's smiling at me. All American Christmas. A Christmas story. folks and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater we have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family there are always wonderful new pictures to see delightful snacks to nibble a gay pleasant evening for all we hope you have a wonderful time five four three two one Showtime! Based on the humorous writings of author Gene Shepard, the beloved holiday movie A Christmas Story follows the wintry exploits of youngster Ralphie Parker, played by Peter Billingsley, who spends most of his time dodging bullies and dreaming of his ideal Christmas gift, an official Red Rider carbon action 200 shot range model air rifle, frequently at odds with his cranky dad, played by Darren McGavin. But comforted by his doting mother, Melinda Dillon, Ralphie struggles to make it to Christmas Day with his hopes and glasses still intact. Welcome back to TRN Drive-In. The feature film for this episode is going to be a Christmas story, of course. You've got Jason here, and I'm joined by a couple guests on this episode. First, some men are Baptists, others Catholics, but he is definitely an Oldsmobile man. It's old school, Tim. How are you, Tim? I'm doing good. And also joining us, she is always sure to drink her Ovaltine, Karen Flieger. Hi, Karen. Hi. <laughs> Glad you guys are here and uh, joining me for this, uh, what should be a really fun episode of the TRA Drive-In. And uh, before we get started, obviously, spoilers abound in this episode. <laughs> we hold nothing back. We're going to go a little bit behind the scenes with some fun facts and 
just uh, basically dive into this you know whole movie as we do on the drive-in here. So uh, if you have not watched it, shame on you. And uh, stop shame, this podcast. <laughs> stop this podcast, unsubscribe, and uh, go watch it, and then come back and resubscribe. Anyway, anyway, uh, I just like, and we, we just like to uh, start out the the TRN drive-in by asking, you know, when was the first time you watched a movie, or how old of a movie is this for you? And uh, let's start with Tim. You remember the first time you watched it? I don't remember specifically, but I do remember it was on TV. I didn't see it, obviously, in the theater or uh, even on VHS. I believe the first time I saw it was on TV, but I do believe it was probably in the mid-80s. Um, I was pretty young at the time, and um, I didn't fall in love with it. I remember the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. but it was something that as I got a little bit older, I appreciated certain things a little bit more as each time I saw it and gradually became just uh, adoring of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I believe that first time was probably in the mid-80s. Um, but like I said, it's one of those things that's really changed as my perspective's changed as I've grown up. Yes, and yes. You first identify with the kid, and then you start to identify with the parents. That's right. What about you, Karen? Well, we were we were also too young to have seen it in the theater, um, but it, it was definitely an event once it aired on television. And I want to say that the first year we may have seen it on, like, Hey Cable, but I think mm-hmm. after that it went to basic cable. It would show up at strange times of the year. I mean, not even necessarily at Christmas. There were times where it would show up, like, in the middle of July or August for some <laughs> bizarre reason. And um, with our family originally being from uh, Illinois, Indiana, of course, was very, you know, like sure. right to us. So anytime there was a reference to anything like like Michigan or something like that, and like, oh, yeah, we know what that is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, um, my brother uh, referred to it as you'll shoot your eye out because that was what they kept saying. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I... Um, I usually called it Ralphie. It was it was the Ralphie movie. He was the he was the star. Um, but as I got older, it, it, it's the different appreciation. I, um, I I I came to really fall in love with Gene Shepard's narration. The way he phrases yeah. things is just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, you can really tell. I, I have never gone back to read any of his other uh, books or little you know uh, stories. Uh, along the way, I probably should at some point, but uh, yeah, his his narration is great, and uh, just the voice of Ralphie, you know, as an older kid, almost remembering, you know, that Christmas uh, makes it really fun. Uh, I don't remember my first viewing either. Um, if I had to guess, it was probably early '90s, like on TBS or TNT, the the earlier years before you know the marathon started. But it it probably wasn't until they started showing it 24 hours, you know, on, on Christmas Eve through Christmas Day that uh, I really fell in love with the movie. And 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 like Tim was saying, it, that's exactly what I had in my notes is, you know, as a kid, you're you're more thinking on uh, Ralphie. And uh, as I get older, I, I put myself in the shoes of the old man. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of movies are like that, too. 
And I think that's what's great about the movies because you can identify with the characters as you get older, you know. Yeah. So, a uh, very good point on that. Well, uh, let's go through the uh, the cast and crew just a little bit here. Uh, like we mentioned, the movie's based on Gene Shepard's semi-fictional anecdotes in his 1966 book, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. And there's also some other elements from his 1971 book, Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories and Other Disasters. <laughs> I, mean, I love these the names of these books. <laughs> The, the film was written by Gene Shepard, uh, director Bob Clark, and his then-wife, Lee Brown. The film was directed by Bob Clark, like I mentioned, who is uh, American but is responsible for some of the most successful films in Canadian history. And, and part of this movie was filmed in Canada. Uh, some of his other movies, Black Christmas, Murder by Decree, Tribute, and Porky's, <laughs> of all things. <laughs> and, of course, Porky's, too. Um his, he first became uh, interested in Gene Shepard's work when he heard him reading his stories on his WOR radio show in 1968. So how cool would that have been to uh, to hear Gene Shepard on the radio, you know, telling some of these stories? Almost like in his own show. I guess he had his own show. I, I didn't read too much into that. But, of course, like we mentioned, it stars Peter Billingsley as Ralphie Parker. He was uh, a, a pretty busy child actor he was in uh he was uh what messy marvin in the hershey's commercials right yeah. and yeah. Uh, that's i remember the one movie that sticks out to me because i remember renting it on a birthday is the dirt bike kid have y'all ever seen that yep i think yeah, so then. i think my brother um may have that that might have been one of his rentals it was it was uh the way I would describe it is like Herbie the love bug, but with a motorcycle <laughs> and it can fly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a crazy movie. We didn't watch that one. We watched a Christmas story, probably because it was a rental and we had to give it back. Whereas there were right. other, you know, that showed up on TV that we taped. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yes, uh, the author, Gene Shepard, he's the uh, adult Ralphie or narrator in the movie. You have uh, Ian Petrella as Randy, Ralphie's little brother. Mrs. Parker as Melinda Dillon. And the old man, or Mr. Parker, is Darren McGavin. Scott Schwartz as Flick, uh, which is funny because uh, his last name's Schwartz. R.D. Robb as Schwartz in the movie. <laughs> and Zach Ward as Scott Farkas. And we'll get into uh, a lot more of our, our favorites as we get into the awards uh, in the show. But... Uh, just thinking a little bit about the uh, the legacy of the movie, you know, Clark's other movies, Porky's and Porky's 2, Baby Geniuses and its sequel. I mean, that's just kind of weird, uh, uh, a, a weird mashup there. But uh, essentially, if Porky's had not gone on to uh, make a lot of money, this movie wouldn't have been made. So it's uh, it's it's a weird tie-in that you get a kind of a raunch comedy like that and then get a wholesome more of a wholesome family comedy like a christmas story and also in 2012 it was selected for preservation in the national film registry by the library of congress so i don't know how much of that has to do with uh, the the amount of times everyone has watched it thanks to the you know the marathon and stuff but um i thought that was a pretty high honor to have to be uh, part of the film registry any well, we usually talk about any traditional viewings that we have, or if you guys want to talk a little bit about the legacy as well. But um, 
of course, I, I think my or everybody's typical viewing is around Christmas Eve and putting it on and just kind of leaving it on or leaving it on during the day during Christmas. That's been kind of when I traditionally view it, even though I do have the DVD and popped it in last night for this uh, purpose of podcasting about it. But uh, anything else you guys want to talk about as far as the legacy of the movie or you know, any kind of traditional viewings. Do you, do you gather the family around to watch it each year? Not anymore. We, we kind of are in the same boat as you where, uh, we used to do that for a while, but as that marathons become more prominent, um, I believe we just kind of take advantage of that. And, and mm-hmm. like you said, even we leave it on pretty much from when it starts, there's a TV <laughs> with it on it in some place in our house for that full 24 hours and sometimes the volume's down because you know the dialogue so well by now that you don't even need (laughs) the volume up for some of it but yeah that's become kind of our tradition too and i love the movie and could watch it other times but i kind of save it for that special time now i think and and that's part of our tradition we usually watch it all the way through at least once on christmas eve depending on you know when when we come home um from uh usually we go over to my brothers and then we'll come home and um Mm -hmm. we each have our own tvs uh and i think (laughs) mom watch sometimes she'll watch like what they put on on um turner classic movies or something if they have a good movie on there Mm -hmm. i'll come up and i have um I'll, i'll put on a christmas story like if I can figure out where the parts that I really like are, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of cue it to see if I can hit that part. Or I don't think I've ever just left it on and had. Yeah. I think I, I think there have been other things that I've watched in between, uh, but but uh-huh. usually there's there's at least one viewing all the way through, and then we'll we'll go back and we'll kind of hit the high points like the lamp. The lamp is always one that that I like to see, and um, the um, decoder ring. <laughs> sure to drink your Ovaltine. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just uh, like I said, we're we're cord cutters, so we don't get the twenty four hour marathon. But typically, we are at uh, my in laws' house on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And they have cable, and they usually have it on. So it's it's funny being cord cutters that I'm still part of the marathon <laughs> for that uh, for that day of the year, you know, as we're visiting family who are not cord cutters. So, <laughs> and that's you know, this final little segment here uh, about uh, cultural impact uh, in this first part of uh, the episode. Like I mentioned in the the bracket madness, it seems like the merchandising has exploded mm-hmm. on this, and it's one of those movies like Christmas Vacation that I'll find myself quoting throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel like my poor wife has not had a hot meal in fifteen <laughs> years. Sometimes, <laughs> as much as she gets pulled away from the table and people asking for drinks and everything, and it, it's funny how those little lines come out. And uh, I think that's part of the cultural. Uh, impact as well but yeah, just like the merchandising I mean the ornaments I, I have a leg lamp cookie cutter that we use tonight yeah. and uh, it's just everywhere well I think some of it too is the quotes um, I'm like you I throw them out year round and use some of them but the fact that other people get them 
so readily um, mm-hmm. it goes a lot to say about the movie that sometimes you could quote a movie and somebody looks at you crazy, but if you yell uh, bumpuses, <laughs> people kind of know what you're talking about. Or yeah. who says fragile anymore? Nobody just says nobody says fragile. it now. That's right. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always fragile now. So I, I think yeah. some of that really goes to show the impact it's had as well. Uh-huh. I had a package from Bath and Body Works last night that was marked <laughs> fragile, and I said fragile. <laughs> <laughs> you just, yeah, you 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 just do that, <laughs> and you don't even think about it. One of our favorites in uh, our family is um, the 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 glue. Uh, you use the glue <laughs> you used up all, used up all glue the glue on purpose. On purpose. Yes. <laughs> I say that all the time. Just in any argument, I'll just end it by used up all the glue on purpose, or I'll yell, "Not a finger, not a finger." Yeah. Uh, but did you guys see on uh, Instagram? Uh, I saw it yesterday morning. I I didn't see when he posted it, but Jay from Sludge Central posted that on a street in his neighborhood. There are like, ev- like every window has a leg lamp. In it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I've seen them. I've been tempted many times, and uh, I can never time the uh, the day after Christmas shopping right to grab one. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm such a day after Christmas shopper. But um, yeah, I mean, just every little thing about the movie that you can put on a cup or a whatever towel <laughs> you can uh, nowadays. Uh, and one more part of the almost cultural impact of the movie. I did successfully pull off a. Uh, oh, that's funny. What's what's that over there behind the desk? I, I pulled <laughs> off that move one Christmas with my oldest son, and he asked for an Xbox 360 for Christmas. And you know, I think back then they were still like 300 bucks or whatever. You know, when they came out, and uh, I managed to come up with the money. And he just that's constantly the whole season. That was oh. the top of his list. I want Xbox 360. So at the end, he had opened up everything, and I pulled off. And I, it's recorded somewhere. I, I got to put it up on the Retro Network or somewhere to show everyone. But he had opened everything. Did you get everything you wanted? You know, <laughs> and I, I don't remember what his answer was. And then I, I pulled off. Hey, that's funny. What's that behind the uh, the chair over there? <laughs> and I, I hit it over there, and he opened it up and was joyous about it and everything. So... <laughs> I don't know. I, it wasn't something I had intentionally planned until maybe a couple of days before. And let me try to pull it off. <laughs> and it worked. So nice. that's, uh, you know, as much as the, the movie has impacted me and I've watched it so many times that I decided to try to do that and was successful. So, well, let's get into some of the, the facts and stats about the movie. Just kind of give a little bit of temperature of when it was released and We'll go through some of the box office stuff here. It was released November 18th, 1983. And uh, around that day in history, this is uh, about two weeks prior from the movie being released, was uh, Ronald Reagan signing a bill that established Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, birthday as a holiday. Uh, We also had Michael Jackson's Thriller being released as a single. And the Nashville Network went on the air. Hooray for Monster (laughs) Trucks. And uh, the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Can't remember what else uh, was on that when it first uh, went on the air, but those are some things going on. Um, it was very much a what you would probably call a sleeper film. 
there wasn't very much buzz around it uh, being released, and there wasn't really much of a buzz around kind of Christmassy movies uh, back then. But it it kind of pedaled along, and uh, even though it was it was only in the theater for about eight weeks, it still managed to be uh, number one at the box office for a week. And uh, the budget on the film was about three and a quarter million dollars. The overall take was uh, just over twenty million. So very much a successful film. Opened at number three, and it took uh, two million of its twenty million that first weekend. Also debuting that week, Amity, <laughs> Amityville 3D, which <laughs> debuted at number one that week. Um, <laughs> that was the third film in the franchise. Number two was The Big Chill, and it's eighth week, actually. And then uh, number three was A Christmas Story. Number four was Never Say Never Again, the return to uh, James Bond from Sean Connery, <laughs> which was technically not a you know uh, official James official. Bond movie. And then uh, number five in that week was another debut called A Night in Heaven which I had never seen or really heard of. Uh, Andy Garcia is in the movie. You don't have to look that one up. But uh, it would hit number one in its second week. The only week at number one, it was number two in its third week. And then by the eighth week, it was gone in uh, around January 6th. So uh, kind of a short term in the theater. Other movies released, which uh, probably impacted its <laughs> you know rather short run, Terms of Endearment, that was a pretty big movie uh, around that time. Uh, was at number one for a, a few weeks, I think in December, around there. Scarface was also released. And uh, the Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry movie, uh, Sudden Impact, was also released. So <laughs> some other you know, pretty big uh, box office stars and names that uh, hit around the time that you know, kind of pushed it down the ladder a little bit, even though it was during the Christmas season. But uh, overall, it ranked number 36 at the 1983 box office. So, like I said, it was uh, very much a success compared to its budget, but still not a huge film, you know, probably until later in the 90s when Turner picked it up and started playing the crap out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A little bit about the the critical reviews of the film. Uh, Over there on Rotten Tomatoes, this is pretty awesome. We had mentioned in Bracket Madness its score is 88 for the audience score. The tomato meter for the critics is 89%, actually 1% higher than the audience score, which is pretty crazy. Uh As it was released, Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up, and Ebert gave it a four out of four stars. Um, In the TV review, he described the film as Norman Rockwell as filtered through the pages of Mad Magazine or National Lampoon. I think that hit the nail on the head right there, you know, that kind of era and, but through the kind of, you know, satire or uh, uh, lampooning, if you will, of those two magazines, but not all critics uh, enjoyed it. There was some, uh, some other ones that I read too, that were kind of down on it, but uh, it's suffice to say that it's grown in popularity over the years. And uh, did win two awards. It won uh, actually the Genie Awards, which is like the essentially the Oscars of Canada. Bob Clark took home Best Direction and Best Screenplay for the movie. Was not nominated here in the U.S. So uh, did have a little bit of, of uh, success as far as the awards go. But now it's time for us to do our 
drive-in awards, which are always fun. So we're going to start things out. I'm going to give Karen the first nomination here for favorite scene in the movie. You mentioned a couple. So which uh, what we'll do is just kind of nominate the scenes, and then we'll go back and kind of discuss them a little bit. So what, what scene do you want to nominate here, uh, Karen? Oh, the arrival of the major award. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and what's really funny about that is it, it, it's right back to back with, uh, with another scene that I have on my list, which is how do the piggies eat? So <laughs> to, the major, to the major award arriving. So you have two really funny scenes. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of connected. Yeah, they are moving from the kitchen to the, uh, when the, when the award arrives, what about you, Tim? What's one you want to throw out there? Well, one that I want to mention is, is not one that everybody remembers and it's, it's very subtle and, and everything. And it's actually, it's only about 40 seconds long towards the end of the movie after they get home from the Chinese restaurant and the kids go to bed. There's oh, yeah. one little part where the mom kind of comes down. She turns on the radio, silent nights playing. The snow's kind of falling outside. They have all the lights off and the dad and mom kind of sit there and watch the snow fall by the light of the Christmas tree. I know it's sappy and everything, but... <laughs> That is it could have easily been edited right out of the movie and not even been there, and probably most people wouldn't even notice. But that little part there for me, and it's not funny, it's not any of the things that, right, that yeah. I love about the movie, mm-hmm. but that little part right there has always been my favorite scene in the movie, even though I love other parts of the movie too, but that's that's yeah. always been my favorite. It is great. It's kind of like the, uh, the, the part where Clark... At the end of uh, vacation, kind of sighs and he's like, "I did it." You I know, it. it's yeah. just that that sigh of relief after a, a long day yeah. of opening presents and everything they went through, the turkey and you know, just yeah, it, it's a very heartfelt moment. Very good choice there. Uh, I'm going to nominate just the the opening of the presents, like Christmas morning, mm-hmm. because you just get them kind of diving in and. Uh, Ralphie's, you know, pushing Randy out of the way and there's all that kerfuffle. Then you get, uh, them opening the presents and, you know, the, the scene that <laughs> I got to reenact. Yeah. Uh, that's my that's favorite really fun. is the, the description that Gene Shepard uses is one of my favorite quotes where he says, we plunged into the cornucopia quivering with desire and the ecstasy yeah. of unbridled avarice. that kind of description of opening up christmas gifts i i always thought that that uh that quote was funny Mm -hmm. what's another one karen oh uh my father worked in profanity the way other artists work in oil well let me see now this this was around the uh when he first is fighting with the furnace yeah 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 He wove a, a tapestries of profanity that's still floating above like <laughs> skin or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Kate he said he worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Him fighting with that fern and he, the way he's just kind of, I know we're going into the scenes a little bit more here, but with the way he's just kind of white and he you know, hushes everybody. <laughs> it's a clinker. You know, it's so great. So great. And it's so weird because some of that stuff, even for us, is 
older than we are. Like we didn't relate to having those types mm-hmm. of furnaces and, and those types of things, but even with it, by just the context it's in, you can get it and still yeah, understand. Yeah, just being a homeowner, you know, if you're right. a homeowner, you understand the, you know, trying to get your house to, to cooperate with you, you know. Right. What's another one, Tim? Um, well, like we mentioned earlier, like the you, you used up all the glue on purpose. Some of those not like real obvious quotes necessarily, but one of my favorites when he says, uh, if we don't hurry, we're going to miss all the good trees. <laughs> yeah. tree stopping. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I'll, I'll say that too. When I'm at, want everybody to hurry up, I'll say, if we don't yeah. hurry. We're going to miss all the good trees. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, let's see. What's another scene? Um, I, I'll just put out there changing the tire when they're yep. changing the tire. That's that whole scene of, you know, he's almost like graduating into a teenager or, or a little bit of uh, you know, older status as a kid. You can go out and help your dad with that. Okay. And he gets out there and, of course, the, oh, fudge. <laughs> yep. And the old man, you know, trying to beat his time, too. Time me. And uh, that's just a fun scene in of itself there. All right. Uh, Karen, you got any more scenes you want to throw out there? Um, flick and the pole. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. Gotta talk about the flagpole. <laughs> that was like when I was younger. That was what I remembered the most of the whole movie was the flagpole. I, I like, think you're. Was, I think so too. Yeah, that's what I remembered was. That's the one where the kid gets his tongue stuck to the flagpole. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, you start noticing some of the other stuff, but mm-hmm. the part where they're waiting in line for Santa Claus. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's great. Climb that big tower to go get him and he, he can't he forgets what he wants to say. Yeah. 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 And just the way that Santa kinda kindly taps him on the head with his boot, you know, to send him down the slide. I always love that. That's great. A couple more I had written down were uh when Ralphie finally punches out Scott Farkas in the alley. Just that whole scene and the kids uh is it Flick? I think it's Flick that's like, uh, Ralphie, your mother. Oh, no, you know, you tell him to kind of curb the swear word. Uh, but just his overall demeanor that he just finally has had enough and he's done. And he goes up and <laughs> keeps punching, keeps punching, and then he finally realizes, you know, at the end, oh man, I'm going to get it from the old man. <laughs> and his mom, you know, helps him out there. And the other one I just had was the Chinese restaurant itself, because I just love the, uh, that whole scene. And we'll we'll sing fa ra 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 to uh, you know everybody <laughs> in the family as that comes on the radio or something. And uh, so that's memorable. And then just uh, you know her reaction with the duck and everything. <laughs> and, uh, He's smiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have uh, a couple years. In our family, when we were uh, uh, visiting the in-laws, we have gone out for Chinese on Christmas Day. <laughs> so <laughs> that was uh, a tradition I wish we would have kept a little bit more. It's kind of harder to keep now. But, um, yeah, that happened like two years in a row. It's like, let's just go out and <laughs> go out for Chinese instead of cooking Christmas dinner. So it was of, great. The past couple of years, we've been getting um, Chinese food takeout. Uh-huh. A restaurant my sister-in-law 
is a teacher and one of her former students, their parents own a Chinese restaurant. So that's where they order from. And um, they would, uh, my brother and his wife would stop off on the way home from church mm -hmm. and pick up Chinese food and meet us back at their house. <laughs> Fun. And we would have Chinese food Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right, so let's uh, let's give away the award for favorite scene. Unless was there any more you wanted to nominate for a scene in the movie? There's so many good ones, but I think we covered. The okay. Mm -hmm. What what would you give the award to, Karen? Oh, the the arrival of the major award. Okay. <laughs> I really like that part. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. What about you, Tim? I mean, other than the one that I mentioned, I I think the flagpole scene is iconic to me, and um. We didn't mention specifically the use of the triple dog dare. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, uh, of course. The new, uh, new yeah, the, the etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> Holy <laughs> smokes, it's the fire department. <laughs> oh, it's the cops. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I think I would give it to just Christmas morning because, uh, I don't know, I just love opening them up all the, the presents and... Uh, when she hands him the bowling ball, thanks a lot. You know, and, uh, I like when he's drinking the wine. And he says it's not bad. It's, it's not good. Not right? Yeah. And then, of course, the the pink nightmare too. I mean, you got to have that whole scene, you know, combined with the uh, Christmas morning. Looks like a deranged Easter bunny. <laughs> Looks like a pink nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the getting the actual BB gun and then, you know, leading to the outside scenes as well. What, and some of the other ones, too, are, are fun or are, are his little fuzzy moments, you know, as he's uh, fighting he's off. Blind. Yeah, well, when he's blind, when he's fighting <laughs> off Black Bart and um, I'm trying to think if there was another one. I think there was about three. When when the teacher goes to the bulletin board. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, those are those are really fun uh, in the movie. But I, I got to give it to Christmas morning. That's usually the the part that I'm trying to get to as I'm watching the marathon. <laughs> All right. Well, we mentioned a couple uh, quotes or lines from the movie. What are some other ones that you got to uh, throw out there, uh, Tim? Come up with another line that's one of your favorites. Like I said, I. I use uh, some of those, like you used up all the glue on purpose. And if we don't hurry, we're going to miss all the good trees. Obviously, people always say you'll shoot your eye out. Um, I'll say uh, it's a major award. <laughs> yes, <laughs> somebody yeah. asks for something, it's a major award. <laughs> <laughs> That's one. Um, and then some of those ones, like where they're describing the old man. Like we talked about a little bit earlier, when you introduced me with the some men are Baptists, others Catholics. My father was yeah. an Oldsmobile man. That, that describes my dad to a T. <laughs> he is such a car buff, and yeah, and it's those lines too. It's it's Gene Shepard's lines in the movie that haven't hit me much until I've gotten older. It was more of you know Ralphie's lines and some of the other more just iconic lines of the characters in the movie, but now. That I'm older, I'm I'm hearing more each time I watch it. I hear more and enjoy Gene Shepard's narration, like you said, Karen. Yeah, the one that I love is when he's talking about how he loves the turkey, and he <laughs> says, "Now it's well known throughout the Midwest that the old man is a turkey junkie, turkey a modified galley turkey caris freak." 
<laughs> Very fun. What about you, Karen? What's some other quotes or lines in the movie? Another one I really liked was with the light lamp. There's the only only one thing in the world could have dragged me away from the soft glow of electric sex gleaming in the window. Um, <laughs> one that I really like is after he tells his parents about the bears <laughs> at the at, at the at the hardware store. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. The narration says they looked at me like I had lobsters crawling out. Of yes. Ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. I like when he describes Scott Farkas, and he's yeah. like Scott Farkas staring out at us with his yellow eyes. <laughs> he had yellow eyes, so help me God, yellow <laughs> eyes. <laughs> and and the and the toady. Uh, most of the time when he talked to you, you you felt warm inside, and but most of the time he just hit you in the mouth or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. Too. I like that one exchange where they're hitting each other in the shoulder, and then the other one hits him a little bit harder, and then yeah. he hits him back. Oh, <laughs> that's very good. I like a couple lines from Randy. Uh, <laughs> of course, the "Daddy's gonna kill Ralphie." You know, we use that a lot. Um, I can't put my arms down. <laughs> that whole. I don't know why, but that just every time gets me when yep. and she's trying to put him down. He pops him back up. <laughs> and then just a few minutes later, when they're actually, you know, going to school and he falls over. I can't get up. <laughs> pick him. He's trying to pick him up. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned. Oh, just. Yeah. The 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 scene where he's blind, too. It it was so poisoning. <laughs> Oh, you know, <laughs> when, when he talks about being a connoisseur of soaps, yes, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, Paul Mall have had a mild taste, and I've actually seen Life Boy out in the wild. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, when I went for my uh dental cleaning a few months ago because of all the COVID precautions and everything, they had you wash your hands before and after you had your exam. <laughs> And uh, the soap that the dentist had was Life Boy. <laughs> yeah, there was That's a, great. Life Boy, and all I could think of was Ralphie, and I just started laughing. Yeah, that's great. All right, well, let's uh, let's give away the award for favorite quote or line in the movie. Let's start with you, Tim. Which one are you going to go with? Oh, man. I don't know. I guess my favorite quote is probably... Fragile <laughs> must be Italian. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's other than uh, I don't know. That's probably the one that I say the most. Just mm-hmm. every time yeah. you see it, that's what you associate with it. Um, I don't know what else I would put there. Like I said, uh, between my wife, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, between my wife and I, we the the hot meal for the my mother had not had a hot meal in herself in 15 years she goes she says that one like throughout the year so yeah. I, I don't know between those two i think is is probably the ones that we spawn off the most uh what about you karen yeah probably the fragile were the major award mm-hmm. do you have a leg lamp i have a leg lamp christmas tree ornament okay have a leg <laughs> in the house <laughs> I have a leg lamp uh, nightlight. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. It's kind of cool. Less less uh, conspicuous. It can hide yeah. in the 
on the wall a little bit, not take up quite so much space. I wonder if they have made a ornament where you could stick a light from the tree in it to make it glow, you know? Because some of those you do, but that that you seem that would be like perfect to do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. More sense than you know, just regular. I mean, it's not even lit up or anything. I mean, how do you even tell it's a lamp? <laughs> right, right. It's just a leg. <laughs> right. I have seen a Star Wars uh, parody of the leg lamp, where it's like an R two D two shape. <laughs> My brother posted it one year. It was his Facebook profile. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, this is a fun award we'd like to give out. Who stole the show in a minor role? So outside of, I guess probably the family. Who would have? Uh, who stole the show for you in a in a minor role? Uh, Tim. I don't know if it counts as a minor role or not, but I think we alluded to it a little bit. I think Gene Shepard. As a narrator, I mean, as as not one of the lead roles, but I think that Mm -hmm. that kind of steals the show and and definitely helps be the glue that holds everything together. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Through the the show. What about you, Karen? What did you have down for who stole the show in a minor role? Uh, Miss Shields, the teacher. I uh, read something interesting on IMDb tonight about she was actually the actress eight. who played the teacher yes. was like eight months pregnant yes. because uh, they couldn't have her be an unmarried pregnant woman. They, they padded her out so that she just she just looks stout all over. So <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you, you're jumping pregnant. ahead. You're jumping ahead. <laughs> We're not at the trivia portion. Yeah, yet. we're not at the, uh, the did you but, know per- I mean, portion yet. But no, that's that's a great pick because she's just in the classroom there. As much as he uh, is trying to uh, impress her or uh, you know try <laughs> try to influence her throughout the movie, uh, yeah. she is a fun character. I, I was just the, impressed by the fact that she was a, that she was as far along as she was, yes. and she was filming a movie. Yeah. Yeah, reading that uh, as I'm doing my research, I was like, "Wow, had no idea." So that was uh, that was well done. Uh, for me, um, I would put Scott Farkas in his pal probably as who stole it for me, just uh, chasing them and his little laugh, you know, uh, as they're walking along and finally, you know, beating him down at at, at one point. He's one that I like in a minor role. I, I love put, how they played uh, the wolf song from Peter and the Wolf every yes. time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Game. I thought that was awesome. That's uh, That was perfect. Uh, I even wrote down the leg lamp as a minor role. <laughs> 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 because, it, you know, that's the symbol itself is just uh, immediately associated with the movie. And mm-hmm. that, like you said, that whole scene is, is almost <laughs> mesmerizing. Uh, watching it, and uh, as much as he, you know, when he runs his arm <laughs> up the leg, and his mother's like, Ralphie, you know, uh, it's it was just a uh, out of left field, you know, the first time you watch that, and you know, what is this thing? Yeah, uh, such which, a weird choice of a. I've got a, a a couple facts on that as we'll get to that, but um, who would you choose as a uh, MVP of the movie? I mean, 
for me, it's between two. It's either between the old man or Ralphie. And mm-hmm. I, it, again, this is going back to what you said earlier, Tim, on your stage in life and who you yeah. <laughs> put your shoes in, <laughs> in the movie as you get older. Uh, so I, I had to put the old man in there as a nomination as I'm thinking about this because uh, I look at his character more now, I think, than I do Ralphie even uh, yeah. most of the movie. Yeah, I would definitely give mine to Darren McGavin for the yeah. old man. And it's not even like we mentioned a bunch of the lines and all the funny stuff, but some of the nonverbal stuff he does, just the looks mm-hmm. that he gives and some of the reactions or the the no cells that he does sometimes and just everything. If you just watch him and every scene he's in, it's, he's just amazing in the movie, I think. And mm-hmm. I, I would give my MVP to him. So would I, he, he, he actually reminded me a lot of my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I, well, I guess we'll all agree on that then because, uh, yeah, I mean, as much as I love Ralphie and I, you think you, like you said, Karen, this is the Ralphie movie when you're a yeah. kid. But yeah. as you get older, it's it's more the old man for me. <laughs> yeah, it's the old man movie. Okay, yeah, like well, I said, I find myself just watching him sometimes, even though he might not be the center of a scene. If you just watch him, it's just some great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did not uh, do too much into this next part here, just because uh, this movie is so iconic that it's hard to see these actors outside of the movie almost. So, but just as, uh, you know, part of the show, was this Darren McGavin's best role or your favorite role of his in his career? Cause he, he did do some other movies and TV and, uh, what do you guys, yeah, think? I'd, I would still say it, it was to me, I, I didn't see a lot of his stuff prior to this necessarily. So I think different generations might maybe feel different, but, the one role that I remember seeing him pop in later was as uh, Billy Madison's dad. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Gosh. Billy Madison. I was, forgot about that. Wow. Uh, in 1995 when that movie came out. So that's several years later. But that's the one I remember him. <laughs> totally forgot. <laughs> wow. What about you, Karen? Is there anything outside of this movie that you you think about for Darren McGavin? No, not really. This is pretty much it. Although I, I have um, seen uh, where people have talked about that Kolchak, and I'd mm. like to see that if I could find that, because that sounded kind of fun. Um, yeah, I think that was... Uh, was it Mickey that brought that up maybe on a show? I think I've seen it from Mickey, but I think there was somebody else who said something mm-hmm. about You know, I listened to so many... Now I don't... I'm starting to forget where I saw what. <laughs> right, yeah. I think it was like a Halloween recommendation or something because he was mm-hmm. uh, in Kolchak, uh, Darren McGavin was hunting monsters and stuff. Yeah, I seem to remember it being maybe a, a series of TV movies or something that was yeah. several that he uh, kind of reprised the role, I think probably in the mid-70s era. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I, he's so the old man that uh, I, I, if I remember him in something else, I've blocked it out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know he's popped up on several TV shows as a, as a guest role. And as I'm going back and watching some of these old shows, I'll, I'll see him pop up once in a while, but 
uh, yeah, he's forever tied the old man. What about uh, Peter Billingsley? Do you guys uh, picture him outside of Ralphie at all? Um, he's one <laughs> of the other elves in Elf. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, and and that's kind of that's kind of what I picture as when I <laughs> when I picture Peter Billingsley now. Uh, there's that, and then there's the messy Marvin thing, and that was a commercial. So <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, that was making money for a product, but it was. But I, I, I'm sure he made some money from it too. Uh, but I, yeah, you know, you can't really rate the commercials. You don't know how they. <laughs> I I think of him. Uh, there's a couple episodes uh, of of TV shows, sitcoms, and stuff that he was on back in the day when he'll pop up. I think he was on a Highway to Heaven. Uh, I want to say, and uh, some of those other shows like of that time that he'll pop up and play a kid, you know, during the the episode. Um, I didn't realize until I started doing some research that he's in a couple of the Marvel movies. He's in the first Iron Man. They made him bald, and he's one (laughs) of the the people with the arc reactor that um, Obadiah is like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> ripping a new one too about you know Tony Stark built this for a bunch of scraps. That's like Peter Billingsley he's talking to, and then they brought him back in like a cameo in uh, was it Spider Man? I think it was the, the second Spider Man, the more recent one. Uh, they actually brought the character back, but it's you know it's more cameo kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's connected with uh, John Favreau for some reason, and I okay. believe that's what his he was actually an executive producer on Iron Man as well yeah and peter billingsley was and but he's been with favreau and i believe that's part of how he ended up in elf as well was Ah, i got you i just went over to his imdb he was nominated for a best leading young actor in a film for the young artist awards for christmas story and actually won that award in 85 for the dirt bike kid so that's interesting I, i did not know he was uh, actually nominated for an award for that uh, for a Christmas story, but uh, yeah, like I said, the, the Dirt Bike Kid is really the only other thing that I go to when I think of Peter Billingsley. So uh, I didn't put too much, too much time or effort into because this is usually you know when we were talking uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, is this Steve Martin's best role? Is this John Candy's <laughs> best role? Well, you know these actors really didn't have those huge, huge blockbuster movies that you can kind of compare to. And their other roles are more antiquated, I guess you'll say. So uh, let's go on to, uh, we got a little section here on the casting what ifs. And I did find a couple. uh, I'll save the best one here for last. But the first one I read that uh, Will Wheaton auditioned for Ralphie. Yeah. (laughs) That was uh, pretty interesting. And then in the DVD commentary, director Bob Clark mentions that Jack Nicholson was considered for the role of the old man. Yeah, but uh, they um, they turned it down. He would have like doubled the budget and <laughs> just for his you know uh, services. Uh, so they they turned that down. But I, it's hard to imagine. It really is <laughs> anybody yeah. outside of Darren McGavin. And I, I think I did read as well that Bob Clark said that he the the right person got the role. You know, because mm-hmm. you you bring Jack Nicholson in, then it's Jack Nicholson's movie. You know, mm-hmm. and I, so I think they got that right, but I had not heard either of those before. 
in the uh, in the casting whatevs. Uh, now this uh, this section here, well, I'll throw it out to you guys. Is there anything that you notice while you're watching the movie that just never gets unanswered, or maybe some flaws that you see with the movie? Uh, I I wouldn't call it necessarily a perfect film, but you know, uh, it's, something usually comes up when you watch it for the 327th time. <laughs> I never noticed that before. And why didn't he, you know, do this or something? Did have you guys ever had that with the movie? I mean, there's a lot of little things, um, within it, but there's one, I had had the opportunity to interview Scott Schwartz one time who played flick and mm-hmm. he had mentioned specifically that they had to refilm the flagpole scene that the first time they filmed it, the film was, underdeveloped and ended up being too dark so they had to go back up to canada where that particular scene was filmed and refilm it in that in that schoolyard and all that but if you watch the movie um when he actually has his tongue stuck to the pole the streets around the school are all plowed there's no snow on the streets but then when they're in the classroom and some and the teacher asks where's flick and they all run to the window and see him kind of flailing around, <laughs> stuck to the pole. At that point, none of the streets are plowed. There's snow across <laughs> Interesting. everything. Interesting. I've so never noticed that. If you look there, and knowing that that Scott had mentioned that, it made sense that that was a possibility that they might not have everything set up exactly the same. Right, and right. And could right. have filmed the inside scenes at a different time. So that's one thing that I noticed. But I guess there's lots of things based on the being a period piece and yeah. when they filmed it where there's things mm-hmm. that might not be accurate to that time period all across the board. Yeah. I wrote a few of those down, but, uh, Karen, did you, do you have anything that you noticed when you watched the movie, you know, yeah. for the umpteenth time? <laughs> yeah. I, I saw an, uh, internet movie database where they were talking about, there's some controversy as to pinpointing, the year that the movie's taking place right. because of the placement of characters from the Wizard of Oz and then you have uh, characters from Snow White and then there's like a Bing Crosby song that hadn't been released yet if yeah. they were saying that it was the late 1930s but because this uh, Bing Crosby song didn't come out until like 1943 but it couldn't be later than 1943 because of uh, the version of the decoder pin they used. So, yeah. So, it can it can really be nitpicked to death if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I, I wrote a few down here just based on that. And I don't think the movie Gene Shepard says what year it is, and I think that was intentional. They were just trying to get it around, like, the early 40s. And, you know, unless you, you know, you can go through IMDb like I did and you see people that are like, well, the Davy Crockett hat that Scott mm-hmm. Farkas wore didn't come out until the 50s, you know, and then mm-hmm. the chattering teeth in the desk, those didn't come out until 1949, <laughs> you know, and just things like that. You can really nitpick it to death. The yeah. Zeppelin that, that Randy gets, well, the Hindenburg just exploded in 37. So what kid <laughs> is going to want a Zeppelin after that happened, you know, yep. that kind of thing. So the one that I remember is um, that I never noticed till more recently was 
the director, Bob Clark, actually it makes a cameo in the movie, and he's the guy who's right, yeah. standing across the street, and he tells him, hey, what's that you got in your window? And then he's telling him it's a major award. Well, he's yeah. wearing a Miami Dolphins, like, stocking cap on I, his head. Now, I read <laughs> that. Dolphins, and, Dolphins yeah. didn't even become a team until the mid-60s, so, like, that one's, like, way off. <laughs> I was looking at that because it is the colors, but I never see the the name or the symbol or anything on his hat. So it's not really noticeable because I was specifically looking for that when I watched it last night (laughs) just to be like, oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, he must have turned it around or something and that just kind of stuck with the crew or whatever that knew that he was wearing the Dolphins hat at the time. One other one like that that. I, I couldn't tell. I, I did see a still online, but apparently one of the kids in the classroom scene is wearing a Dukes of Hazard watch. <laughs> and, I, awesome. and I saw the picture and I'm like, how can you tell that's a Dukes of Hazard watch? I mean, it's just so, I don't, I don't know. Unless it was the, the, you know, the actor several years later. Oh yeah. I wore my Dukes of Hazard watch every day to the set, you know, or something, but uh, you can't really tell that kind of thing, but, uh, like I, there's a there's a ton more that you can go through the types of cars that go by and uh, one other one I, <laughs> I read was uh, when the old man's reading the uh, the newspaper and he's mad that uh, the Sox traded Bullfrog and <laughs> you can nitpick that because the, the the actual pitcher from the White Sox whose nickname was Bullfrog Bill Dietrich he was never traded from the Sox he <laughs> he was uh. Uh, let go and picked up by the Philadelphia athletics later in his career. So he was never actually traded. So that was all made up and stuff. So, you know, like I said, any really period piece, you can try to nitpick to death and find things in there. That's not right. that right. And people's hair styles and I mean, stuff like that. You know? It, it just does. Away it does. It does. So to me, it's like, yeah. you just, you don't worry about those things and, and mm-hmm. look at it from a higher, higher level. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move along into the uh, the next part here. This is a fun one. And then we've got our uh, our final segment here, which will be uh, Did You Know? We like to talk about the what should the next incarnation of the film be? So <laughs> it's already had a sequel. Have you guys watched the sequel? I tried watching it and <laughs> I didn't get, I did not get even through the whole thing. It was not I did not connect with it at all so no karen have you seen it i think i may have tried to watch part of it when um when it showed up on like basic cable or something but i i I don't think i um either i came in in the middle of it and it didn't make any sense Mm -hmm. or um i I must not have seen enough of it i remember a bit but I don't even re- really remember who was in it. Mm-hmm. And I think I confuse it with something else. Yeah, I've never seen it. I, I just, uh, you know, doing the research for the movie, wanted to see who was in it. I didn't realize it was Daniel Stern, which is funny to me, is <laughs> in another Christmas movie. But, uh, yeah, I've never had the the notion, just like Christmas Vacation too. I, I don't know why I would want to watch it. And uh, okay. I, don't, I don't know if it would... Uh, like uh help me as i'm trying to uh just put vacation at the top of my list of all yeah. time you know I mean, and push it higher but uh well, the, i just the, never had the the notion to do christmas story too 
the Daniel Stern thing actually helps a little bit because I think maybe I saw part of it and then I was like, this is weird because it's the adult Kevin. <laughs> like, hmm, that's strange. And, and and yet it's Christmas, so you also think of Home Alone. And it, it's kind of like trying to watch the yeah. vacation movie where Ed Helms is rusty. And I like Ed Helms, <laughs> but it was just weird. It wasn't. It's like, no, Rusty is the kid and Chevy Chase is the adult. I'm like, this is strange. <laughs> now, we also talk about should the movie be rebooted? I mean, it's, it's got a... It didn't have it a musical uh, a couple yeah, of years ago, did. like yeah. a live musical? They did a yeah. Broadway musical, and then they did a, one of those live TV versions where they put it on TV a couple of years ago. Um as well but yeah. I mean to answer your question for me is no I with something like this to me I'd rather just spend my time re-watching the original than seeing a new version or a or something that's that's not quite as good I do have this soundtrack to the one that they made yeah. uh, a couple years ago but that's because I like Maya Rudolph <laughs> and she was singing and I, I, I like her singing and Anna Gasteyer was in it too so I watched it more as kind of like a Saturday Night Live reunion. Did <laughs> a Christmas store, like oh oh, and and there's and then they had now I mean of course they couldn't have Gene Shepherd because he passed away many years ago I think. Um, but Ferris yeah. Bueller, the narrator, what? <laughs> it, it was just very strange to me. Yeah, yeah. I I start watching. And I'm just like I would rather just watch the real movie than than yeah. this. So it's kind of where where I settled on it. All right. Um, what about this uh this movie as a Netflix series, like a like a short run, seven to ten episode series? Do you think it could work? Mm, I'm sure it could. Um, especially with the quality of stuff that they're starting to make on those networks, but. I just, again, I I would rather not, but yeah, you mm-hmm. just never know unless you had like Ralphie as the dad, and <laughs> now he's doing his son kind of like a right, you know, yeah, kind of situation where now yes. you have Ralphie and Randy raising their kids and you know having their Christmas or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would be fun. That that was something that I did think of, either as a reboot or or a sequel. Even you could do Ralphie in, in nowadays and <laughs> acting like the old man. You know, mm-hmm. I think that yeah. could work. I'm not I'm not certain about a series or not, but what do you think, Karen? Do you think it would work as a TV series? I don't think you would be able to do that time period because that time period would have would have. Even he would be like an adult in the eighties, so that you could yeah, have an eighties yeah. show. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Ralphie and Randy would be grandparents. They wouldn't be parents. True. Yeah. It, if it was set now, that's that's true. Yeah, it would be. An, it would be an eighties movie. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I I did think of something as far as like um, as far as like a contemporary version of it. Um, I was listening to an episode of purple stuff last night while I was almost half asleep and I thought of something I thought if you had like someone who has a distinctive voice like Mickey or Adam or Matt from Dinosaur Dracula or Jay 
from Sudge Central, and you did like an 80s or 90s, like them remembering them growing up uh, when they were kids. And I, I just had this really clear mental picture of young Nicky at his grandparents' house facing <laughs> off against Tyrant Stevie for the cereal. Or <laughs> yeah. Young Matt having to dress as Alf's cousin Mel because they couldn't find the whole you know, costume. Yeah. Um, I, I think sometimes when, when, when I read um, the articles and stuff, it's like on the blog on the Retro Network or Dinosaur Dracula's blog, we're doing, in a sense, and even right now, we're doing, in a sense, what Gene Shepard was doing, if you mm -hmm. think about it. I mean, we're talking about... Talking what, about the past, yeah, what happened to experiences like, and stuff, yeah. I mean, it's... Very it's, true. Like it's like that's what this is. <laughs> <laughs> that's very kind of, true. Kind of meta there. It, it very it is it is that's a very <laughs> good point. <laughs> we yeah we are the Gene Shepherds of our time. Uh, <laughs> all right, and just uh, at the end, it, or should it be left alone? I, I was kind of leaving uh, or parking myself in this category where just you know just keep playing it every year. I mean. Uh, yeah. We, I'm not, you know, craving uh, that sequel, you know, 40 years later or whatever with Ralphie and his kids. But if it happens, it happens. But I would just prefer, let's just keep it playing, you know, every Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. That sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's take her home here. I'm going to throw some did you know facts at you, and uh, some of these we've actually already gone through, but we'll. We'll get through here, and maybe something will uh, surprise you here. So this, I think, is kind of widely known. For the scene in which Flick's tongue gets sticked to the flagpole, they had a hidden suction tube there that was used to create the illusion that his tongue had, you know, was frozen to the metal pole. Had you guys yes. heard that before? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think I had heard that, but then he, in that same interview I mentioned earlier, I think he talks talked about it a little bit again there and he even said that uh it was his real tongue stuck there it wasn't like he right. had a fake tongue in his mouth and um <laughs> but he said the flagpole was a plastic pole that was painted to make it look like it was metal so that they could do that yeah. and he said it didn't taste real good he said he could taste the the paint <laughs> oh <laughs> wow yeah so he said that was worse than eating, than eating paint chips as a kid <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, here's another one. Director Bob Clark mentions in the commentary on the DVD from 2003 that he worked with writer Gene Shepard for nearly 10 years on the concept of A Christmas Story before the film was made. Wow. That's crazy to think that that was kind of curated over 10 years, you know. And it was probably just due to the fact of they were trying to, well, Clark was trying to build himself as a filmmaker and just to get the the you know the funding of the film made, you, you kind of put it on the back burner, and then hopefully one one time it'll get made if you get a hit. And I think that's what happened. So I thought this was fun. The scene in the Chinese restaurant when uh, Melinda Dillon was reacting to the duck, you know, the mom is <laughs> reacting to the duck. She was purposely given the wrong script. And everyone was in on it. So she had no idea that the duck would have its head on. And then her reaction is like a true reaction to the, <laughs> the uh, you know, them cutting the head off the duck. And 
it's just you know totally not scripted. So that's what Bob Clark was actually going for, trying to surprise her and get that reaction. Uh, she had, she didn't know it was coming, and you could if you specifically look for her reaction in that scene, you can tell that that's just you know her reacting and not knowing what in the world's going on. Yeah, because so it almost great. changes from a sc- scream to a little bit of a laugh. <laughs> right, right, yeah. But then she kind of holds it, and then yeah. So due to the film's popularity, the Daisy Rifle Company started producing Red Ryder BB guns for sale, mainly during the Christmas season. It's become you know one of Daisy's best-selling rifles. So before the movie and before the popularity of the film, they had this thing was not a thing, you know, or at least uh, there was no market for it. So once the film came along, they started producing the BB gun, you know, that he and even the box and everything and. It's been one of their best sellers, you know. One of my favorite things is how he describes it. And then he says, with a compass in the stock and that yes. thing that tells time. Yeah. <laughs> that thing that tells time. Yeah. <laughs> and I read too that those, you know, that was not a, a thing they had ever put in a gun before. So <laughs> that was all made up. Uh, now, I, I did not uh, specifically try to count this, but. Uh, Apparently he Ralphie says Red Rider BB gun twenty eight times during the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now the other thing I thought was really cool about the leg lamp, the uh, the major award, it was based on the knee high fruit flavored soft drink logo. So there's a, a logo from this soft drink that goes back even before the forties, I think. Uh, that was a uh, it was like a leg, and that was like the inspiration for making the award. Was the logo <laughs> for the drink, <laughs> which you uh, can still get. Yeah, that was uh, radar on Nash uh, grape knee-high was was his, his uh-huh. soda. I remember that from many so, many many years of my <laughs> mash. <laughs> so go look up the uh, knee-high N E H I logo, you know, and you'll you'll see what we're talking about. Funny, uh, and I think you mentioned this, Tim, that. Uh, when Scott Farkas first appears, the wolf music from Peter and the Wolf plays in the background. <laughs> and the name Farkas is actually derived from the Hungarian word for wolf. So <laughs> he, uh, he did the research on uh, even naming the character there to uh, be like that wolf, wolf kind of character. <laughs> now, uh, I didn't specifically try to dig this up, or and I haven't got... I was trying to do a... Uh, a differences between the script and movie post for the retro network. I'm hoping to get that done, but apparently there is a another fantasy sequence, which Ralphie joins flash Gordon to defeat Ming, the merciless that was dropped from the final cut. And yeah. I've never, I, I've heard that before, but I've never really dug into what's what's going on or what sparks that uh, fantasy sequence. So if I, if I get that finished, hopefully I'll answer that question where that is in the script, you know? Hey, while we're at this point, um, I just want to put in a plug for a a book that um, a person I know is the author of it. Uh, His name's Cassine Gaines. He wrote a book called A Christmas Story Behind the Scenes of a Holiday Classic. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really a fun book that goes through a lot of this kind of stuff. And it has lots of interviews with the people in the movie and the crew and stuff. And it has a lot of behind the scenes stuff in it. So, okay. I just oh. thought I'd throw a little plug in for that book if if you're a big fan of the movie. Is it still available? Find, yeah, it's definitely available. You can get it from places you buy buy books okay. and all that. If you just oh. search for 
Cassine Gaines is his name. He he's done several other books like that. He did one on uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, one on Back to the Future, and oh, fine. some other books as well. So uh, this one in particular, I I highly recommend if you're a fan of the movie too. So. Okay, well I'll try to uh, maybe dig it up on Amazon. Throw a link in the show notes. People yeah, who are sure. uh, interested. <laughs> Uh, next fact uh, was one that Karen spoiled there about uh, Miss Shields. It's okay, because uh, I, I thought that was just that was almost mind blowing to me too, because um, I had never never heard of that before. Um, okay, so uh, parts of the movie, like I said, they were filmed in Canada. The Christmas tree shopping scene was filmed in Toronto. You can see one of Toronto's like red trolleys go by. That was kind of a signature for Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was uh, that was one scene they filmed there. The like you said, the school scenes, uh, the exteriors were filmed at uh, Victoria School in St. Catharines in Ontario. So uh, I, I guess that's why it kind of qualified for the Canadian Oscars, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> they had uh, several scenes that were filmed there. Although he occupies the most screen time in the film, Peter Billingsley only has about 93 lines of dialogue. And if you think about it, there is a lot of narration, you know, throughout the movie. So it, there is not a lot of lines being the main character, you know, in a 90 minute movie. It's a lot of him just kind of staring off into space and hear the narration, you know, uh, it's something I never kind of struck me before, but, uh, here's another fun one. The uh, redheaded kid who announces that the fire department had arrived at the flagpole scene. He was that's Tom Wallace, the the actor. Tom was a local boy from uh, Campbellford, Ontario, where director Bob Clark had a cottage. And as a thanks for Tom for taking Bob fishing, he was cast in the in the movie. <laughs> so uh, it was a little kid that he knew uh, nearby at his his cottage there that he had in Canada and <laughs> put him in the movie. So I thought that was fun. You never know. Um, and I had never realized this before. You know, although they were made to represent a typical American family, Darren McGavin was actually about 17 years older than his on-screen wife, Melinda Dillon. Well, so I had never thought that they would be that far apart in age. And I, it, that didn't hit me either. We didn't really talk about Melinda Dillon, but, you know, she's the mom uh, of another tender age son who receives a BB gun in Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> so uh, that kind of came full circle, but uh, it's been a while since I watched Harry and the Hendersons too. So I didn't remember specifically the part where he gets the BB gun, but I, I'm, I'm wondering if they forced that in, you know, as a homage <laughs> almost. I know uh, she doesn't, she's the one person from the movie that doesn't really love her connection to it mm-hmm. for whatever reason that she's not, uh, she doesn't talk about it. She doesn't go really connect to the movie still. And I'm not sure why, if she wanted to break away and not get, mm-hmm. you know, like so many of these other people were saying, we only remember them as that person. I don't mm-hmm. know if that had to do with it or what, but, um, mm-hmm. but that she's one that's not as fond of, of her connection to the movie. Interesting. Yeah, so, you know, to each his own. Some people, it's just a job and <laughs> don't mm-hmm. see all of the fanfare around it, but that's that's kind of unfortunate. All right, I've got two more, and then we'll wrap it up here. 
the first two carols heard in the opening of the movie are Deck the Halls and Jingle Bells, which are the same two carols sung by the staff at the Chinese restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was some fun little connection there. Uh, And then finally, this is just uh, was my favorite a little bit behind Gene Shepard and how he picked some of the names in the movie and and places. Uh, Gene Shepard's middle name was Parker. So that's where you get the family name from. And as in the movie, Shepard had a younger brother named Randy. So that's where you got that. And then he lived at 2907 Cleveland Street in him in Indiana growing up. So you get a, a little bit of his, you know, backstory in life and names and that he, you know, uh, plugged into the story. The other so. interesting thing you had mentioned that some scenes are filmed there in Canada, that house that they mm-hmm. filmed the exteriors at was actually in Cleveland and on Cleveland street, but in mm-hmm. Cleveland, Ohio. And, um, now it's been turned into kind of a museum and you can actually go there and you can actually go on a tour. They kind of redid the inside to look kind of like the, the actual house because all the interior scenes were really filmed on a sound stage. It was really mm-hmm. only the exterior scenes filmed at that place. But I visited yeah. there, I want to say it's about five years ago now and mm-hmm. uh, went on the tour and did everything there and really enjoyed it uh we mentioned the life boy soap when you go up to the bathroom there's a bar of life boy soap sitting on the sink (laughs) the bedroom has the a lot of the same things from the movie and and all that stuff but you can see all that so that i also recommend that for anybody who's a big fan it's it's uh easy to get to if you're in the cleveland area and stop in there but um Uh it's pretty cool and they have yeah. a leg lamp in the window as well. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I was going to ask you uh, about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, that's a nice way to wrap things up uh, that you guys got to tour the house. And I didn't realize that they had uh, essentially built it to mirror the movie, you know, while it was just the exterior shots, you know, that they used yeah. uh, in the actual movie. So you can see all the stuff because some of the stuff when they were doing it they did film kind of outside like when he's putting the lamp in the window or when mm-hmm. he goes out in the backyard or watches the black bard attacking from the back and all that kind of right. stuff right um all that happens out there but they kind of made the inside look there where you can they have like the sink where you can go underneath the sink like randy and that sort of <laughs> thing and they, they've done their best to make it pretty similar um in the inside and uh Across the street, they have a another house where it's become kind of a gift shop and stuff like that, and a mini museum too, yeah. where they have some um, some of the costumes and stuff. Like they have Randy's snowsuit on display <laughs> that you can <laughs> nice. see, and nice those kind of things. So uh, it's fun, and I, I mean, you can do it in you know a couple hours and see it. I think it's it's awesome. a fun thing to do if you're ever in the area. Yeah, I being from Pittsburgh, I I don't desire to go to Cleveland, but uh, the uh, a trip to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is on my bucket list, and I, I'm probably going to combo that with a trip to uh, to see the house. Yep. Uh, once I get there, if I get there, so yeah, I, I did read some up on the the person that 
that bought the house and then uh, again bought the uh, house nearby to turn it into the museum and everything. So gift shop and all that, but very cool that you uh, got to visit there. I'm I'm very jealous because <laughs> that's, cool. that, that's the kind of stuff that I really love. I, I've, I've also my bucket list is to go to the field of dreams in Iowa, it, just places yep. like that, that, uh, <laughs> stick with you that uh you know filming locations and stuff I, I love to visit and i've gone a couple little excursions myself to filming locations and uh i don't know it's there's something just kind of magical about it i think being there so for sure okay well i think that's gonna do it unless you guys uh had something else you wanted to chime in with on the movie uh before we get out of here there was something that i was thinking about when tim mentioned the the uh Randy's snowsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was uh, getting ready to go downstairs and get my faxes earlier this year, and I would be putting on my N95 mask and my gloves <laughs> and everything, uh-huh. I felt a little like Randy. I was getting ready. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was thinking the other night, I was laying in bed and I was cold and I put the covers up over my head. And I was like, man, all this mask wearing, I'm, I'm, it's just like, uh, procuring me to uh, <laughs> sleep under the covers now. <laughs> you <know>? Your face <laughs> you gotta, is cold when it's yeah, not covered. You gotta get used to it. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. It is uh, the, the times we live in. <laughs> think about being bundled up like Randy to protect yourself, but I understand. Okay, well, this was really fun, guys. I appreciate you guys joining me. Uh, I'm going to put a link to... Uh, Karen and Tim's uh, Twitter accounts in the show notes so you can connect with them as well. But uh, this is uh, essentially the last podcast of the year for me. So I'm, I'm glad you guys uh, you guys joined me and uh, we uh, send our best out to Stacy. She couldn't make it tonight. Uh, apparently the, uh, the big ice storm of the Midwest had hit her and her power went out. So we do miss you, Stacy, and I uh, wish you could have uh, been here to... Uh, been a part of the podcast but uh we'll get you next time uh as we go through another movie if you like um but yeah this like i said this is the last show so uh just want to wish everybody listening uh a, a merry christmas happy new year uh happy hanukkah whatever you celebrate during this time have a happy holiday season we really appreciate you guys uh listening to us throughout the year and uh i hope you have enjoyed our our drive-in on uh, a Christmas story. So for Karen and for Tim, we uh, just want to say thank you for listening. This is Jason and uh, we will see you next time on the drive-in. Not a finger. <laughs> Bumpuses. <laughs> just shout old man lines until the, <laughs> until the end of the year. You know? <laughs>